Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Hey, you know, um, I, I had an experience the other uh, the other day. We went to uh, Saskatchewan. They had a pastor's conference deal I was going to. And they had just changed. They just got rid of all their mandates and stuff. And so I come into a rural gas station, and they have this huge sign that says, you no longer need to wear a mask. And I was so used to And I just, like, ripped my mask off. I started tearing all my clothes off. And I was like... <laughs> That's not a picture you want to have at the start of a message. <laughs> and it was just like, oh. and it was a good feeling, right? And, and, you know, we're heading into that good feeling and whatever. But then I had, in addition to that good feeling, I had a God thought. And this is kind of where I want to jump off of today. My God thought that he kind of put into my heart was, okay, so what are you going to do now? Because that's good, Right? Get rid of all this. Uh, it doesn't actually fix things, though, right? And God has something that he is working and doing and moving in you. And, and here's something that I want to present to you this morning that is my God thought for you. And that is that God wants to not have you come out of this pandemic more religious, where you do more religious-y things, because Jesus actually came to destroy religion, Right? Yeah, you you can clap if you want. He came to have a spirit, give you a spiritual life that was full and deep and free. And all those things that, that we felt restricted at in the physical, God said, I want you to have this. And it's called eternal life. And you know this, right? Eternal life is not in the future. It's actually what you have now. And he wants you to experience it in fullness and deepness. And it starts with... The person of Jesus. So here's what the challenge that I want to leave you today is I believe that God wants to, in this next season, reveal himself in Jesus to you in a fuller, deeper, more complete way. And I think potentially what we've experienced in the last two years has actually made more fertile soil inside of you so you can grow and you can get deeper and fuller and better stuff. And so here, here's where we're going to go. We're going to start with John 17, verse 3. And it says, eternal life, which is that life that we have in God, all of it, is to know you. And know you is not facts, right? It's intimacy. It's connection. It's life. The only true God and to know Jesus who sent you. God wants to move us into something new, and he doesn't want us to stay in that that same old place. You know, knowing God is more than believing some things. Because if you're Islamic, you actually believe that Jesus did miracles. So if you believe that Jesus did miracles, no different than a Muslim. Right? If you believe that Jesus was a historical person, there was Mary and Joseph and Jesus, everybody in Judaism believes that too. For, for the most part in, in Buddhism, if you would believe that Jesus was enlightened and he showed the way and he was a great example, so do all the Buddhists. So your picture of Jesus that you have is incredibly important because it can't be just those things. 
It's so much more than that. And, and as you think about and as hopefully you're challenged this morning to expand your picture of Jesus, I want to kind of start here. Is that I think our picture of Jesus is influenced a lot by our culture. Because if you are an American, you think a lot about Jesus in terms of freedom. The land of the free and the home of the brave. So you are American Jesus is freedom. If you're a Canadian Jesus, we're like way nicer. And we're very inclusive. And we like to include everybody. So Jesus in Canada, I don't know if you knew this, is a lot more inclusive than he is in a lot of other places. Jesus in the Oriental countries is a lot more honoring. And they think about honor. Why? Because that's what their culture is about. And we could go through every culture and look at what they've done. See, you know what the trouble with Jesus is? He doesn't fit into any of your little cultural boxes or the pictures that you have made of him. He wants to be way bigger, way deeper, way fuller than that. And we have to be able to critique our own culture and to say, yeah, you know, it's really good to be Canadian. We're all inclusive and everything like that. Uh, But that, that, that's not the picture of Jesus. And the land of the free and the home of the brave is a country. It is not who Jesus is. Americans sometimes get a little confused. Who is your Jesus? What's that picture that God wants to challenge and to grow you in to say, because that's where your life comes from. That's where your sustenance comes from. And uh, as we do that, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to take a look at uh, over the weeks to come and maybe even longer than that, that there's different things that Jesus is. You can see up on the screen, he's the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the door. He's the resurrection, the life, the way, the truth, and the life, the vine. The Bible gives so many different images and pictures, and one isn't definitive. It's like, you need to get this big picture. Notice that none of those are the things culturally that we talked about. Because Jesus is more than your culture. And so today we're going to talk about this. Jesus is the good shepherd. And it's a picture, it's a significant picture in the New Testament, but we probably get the best picture of it uh, from the Old Testament, from a very, very familiar psalm that I'm going to walk you through. And as I walk you through it, here's what I'd like you to get. I would like you to be asking the Holy Spirit as I talk to say, okay, God, what's the, the peace in this season that you want me to grow in? And and as we go through Psalm 23, there's actually a bunch of pieces, and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to help you to say, okay, that's where I want. So we're going to start off right in the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. I, can you say those words with me? I lack. My best guess is that's the first time you've said that today. The I lack nothing. Or maybe the first time you've said it this week. Or maybe it's the first time you've said it in two years. Most people don't go around saying, I lack nothing, right? We go around saying, I want this, I want that, that didn't turn out, why are they making me walk this way down the aisle? And we say a whole bunch of stuff. And for some of you, I believe that God wants to challenge you in his point to say, I am your good shepherd, and I want you to understand that you actually are lacking in nothing, I'll think about that for a minute. I lack nothing. Whew. You know, there's a, 
a pastor of a, a, real, a mom who's a really good friend of mine, and uh, he, he gives updates. Some of you would know Anatoly from Regina. He gives updates of his mom, and, he, and she is right on the Ukraine-Russian border and literally point, point ground zero, where there's bombs flying everywhere. They have nothing to eat. They have no medicine. They have no electricity. It is what you see on television. It's way worse than that. And he's giving updates, and she does live updates every once in a while, and then lost contact with her. And, and uh, you could just see the heart of this son just starting to break as he's saying, you know what, I actually don't know where my mom is. And then midstream, it was like beautiful. Midstream, he said, you know what, though, I actually know what she's doing right now. She's praising God and thanking him for who he is. The Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing because none of it is about circumstances and things. It's all about him. And as we move into this season and as you've maybe God's fertilized that ground, that might be your place. That might be your place to dig in and to say, God, what do you want to teach me in that area? The second phrase is this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. How many of you love to be made to do stuff? <laughs> one person. There's always one of you in a crowd. You know, this is in the, the, the great shepherd is the, that we are compared to then in that is sheep. Now, I, I think you know this, right? That's not a compliment. You know what sheep are? They're not very smart. They get lost really quickly. They're easily diseased. Uh, they don't have good balance. They have none of their senses are absolutely fantastic. You're a sheep. And he says, he makes me lie down. Why just like throw it out there? Why do you think he makes you do that? Because you aren't smart enough to find green pastures. <laughs> I'm not smart enough. You know what I do? I go to things that numb my soul. Where's my phone? Right? I go, I go to things that give me momentary happiness. And God says, you know what I want to do? I'm your shepherd. I really want to refresh you. I want to make you lie down in green pastures because you actually don't know what a good green pasture is. And I need to teach you what a green pasture is. I believe that in, in this group online, there's some people that God in this season is going to be teaching you a new green pasture. Something that really, really refreshes you. Not something that you put your time into and that while you're done it, you go, huh, not sure I feel any better than what I felt before. That's actually not refreshment, is it? That's mind-numbing, soul-sucking. The, what the world has to offer. And God says, I got something way better than that. I'm your good shepherd. I want to make you lie down in green pastures. The second phrase is this, and these are all refreshment. He says, he leads me beside quiet waters. For some of you, there's a place where God wants to lead you into a place where there's no rush. I, now, and I like... I completely get this. I, I'm pretty sure that if they had all the letters that they have 
now, back when I was a kid, they would have given me a bunch of letters, A, D, H, D, 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 like I was all of them. And uh, I was like running around the house and doing stuff and my relatives would pray for my mom, right? Because it's just like boundless energy. I was just going all the time. And, uh, you know, there, there's part of me that hasn't changed a whole lot, actually. I like to go. I like to do stuff. I love to accomplish. I love change. How many like change? Yeah. But that many people. The rest of you are going, What? Seriously? Yeah, I love doing and going and achieving and making it happen. You know what that's called? That's called rushing waters. God says, I, would you let me, and the question is there, would you let me, would you let me lead you beside still waters? Now, still waters is not unproductive. Still waters is being called instead of being driven. The still waters are actually what feeds your soul so you can accomplish everything that God has for you in your life. The rushing waters don't help you accomplish it. They raise your alarm. Because those things refresh your soul. I'm running through these first three really quick and then I'm going to get to some place where I want to camp. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. God's always working for your good And for his glory. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because, and here's the first statement that's really uh, significant about who he is and what he does for you are with me. That's who God is. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, Your rod, your staff is to saving you when you wander off because you tend to go from one tuft to another without thinking it through. And your staff is for beating you senseless. No. What's God's, what's God's rod for? Sorry. What's God's rod for? Hmm. It's for the lion and the bear that would attack you. It's to protect you. It's not to beat you. And there are some of you, God wants to teach you in this season that he is not angry with you. And that he is not looking at everything that you've done and waiting for you to go out of line. He's actually looking at, and and this is the thing over the pandemic that I've gotten that I'm so excited about. That God's sort of caught me in the sense of saying that he's, i got to find a better word, reverse engineering me from who I really am. That, that, that complete person back to now. And he's giving me everything that I need to become that person that he sees. (laughs) so that means he's not looking back at all my stupid or my present stupid or my even my future stupid right he is looking at who you are and he's reverse engineering you to become what you are and his rod is not for you for some of you you need to start to begin to believe that that's who jesus is all right verse five I want to take just a couple minutes and camp on this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, God is coming. And it says he presents, he prepares a table before you. This is a fantastic table. And I'll have you know... 
that this stuff is actually real food. Ooh. Thank you for clapping for when, when I eat. That's, I don't understand it, but, you know. Oh, and, and these grapes. Mm. Aaron, what would you like? No, no, no. Here we go. Ready? Pretend you're eating it. It looks good for the camera. There we go. Yep. God says, I prepare a table before you. And I want you to think of what he does. Is He says, this is your life that I want you to have. I want you to have this eternal life. And he's given you these things. And he's laid them out before you. It, it's significant because he says there's two chairs. And, and, and what he does is he says, you know what? This is, this is what I have for you. And there's, there's no cost to this. I've prepared this table not based on how well you did last week or or the thoughts that you had about somebody. I've prepared this table for you because you're my daughter. I've prepared this table for you because you're my son and I want you to have all of it. All of this is yours. Every day, it's called grace. And he says, I want you to have this. He sets a table before me. What's a table? I don't know how you grew up, but for me, the table was the place where we had so much laughter. My family would get together, three sons, mom and dad, and uh, we would just laugh and talk, and three guys, like means we're picking on each other mercilessly and just having a ton of fun together. A, a table was where my parents' as teens tricked me because they would get me to talk about things. It's a good point if you're a parent. Don't eat around the television, right? You eat around the table. And the table's a place where you actually sit down and you have conversations about things that are significant and important. The table is actually a place where you work out stuff. I remember when I I first came into uh, my wife's family, there there was a particular moment. They had a different vibe than we have. We had the Mennonite vibe where you don't actually solve problems, you just put, shove them under a table. Just kidding. Uh, they, they had more of an out front vibe. So if they had a problem with somebody, everybody knew it. And so one day, dad and a daughter were going at it. And just like, ah! And I wasn't used to this, that's not my culture, right? And so then they said, okay, supper time, everybody piles around the table. Guess which two seats were left because there was way too many people around the table right at each other. Those two. I thought, oh, this could be interesting. And they sat down beside each other. Dad takes his, his plate and moves it as far away as he possibly can <laughs> from his daughter. Ah, that's fantastic. Guess how long that lasted? Not very long. Finally looked over at her, kind of winked a little bit, moved his plate. Because at the table, he realized what was really important. Not whether I agree with you on everything, but the relationship. That's what's really important, isn't it? I think we can learn some of that in this season. There are three things that I want to quickly talk about at the table that Jesus invites you to. And the first one is this. He says that he sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And the presence of your enemies means that 
you know, I, I would like it to be that God would set this table before me when there is no cancer, when the kids are doing well, when the divorce isn't going through, when something isn't failing. And, and if you've been a part of this church, you know that we believe that, we stand on that. We've seen crazy God miracles in it. But you also know that that, that table, life, Sometimes it's really hard and it's really difficult. And here's what God says. I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. The table for two means that Jesus is right there. And I'm going to have to choose whether I'm going to be okay with doing this in the enemy's presence or live in that place of complete angst where I just want it to be over with and I'm just going to fight, 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 fight. God says, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set a table before you in the middle of it all. And I want you to learn to enjoy because I've given you incredibly good things that tastes a lot like fulfillment I know it's a grape but still in the presence of my enemies some of you know the one of my life stories and that would be that in actually what's called what they called Russland, which is actually on the Ukraine-Russian border and Poland, my family experienced one of those things where the in the revolution the soldiers were coming to rape the women and literally kill <clears throat> some of the men, and they had guns and there was they were coming in mobs and uh, they went up to my parents' place and my grandma said to my grandpa, "It's going to be okay." And the soldiers actually passed over their house. And as it turned out, there were two angels with flaming swords standing and guarding their house. One of my life stories. You know what my, my grandpa did? He, uh, he grabbed a baseball bat. <laughs> what, what's this going to do? See, but you know what? You and I, this is what we do. Because we can't control things, we, we, we grab something and we, we desperately grab a control and we're going to make it happen because look at all the enemies surrounding me, discouragement and depression and frustration and this, the, the kids or the parents or the brother or the mother-in-law or something and we grab a hold of something to control. And God invites us to his table and he says, you know what, I, I'd like you to put that away for now. And I want you to learn to enjoy my presence at the table. I could just sit here and snack for a long time. Because that's what he does. He says, I want you to take the time in the presence of your enemies. I don't need to react to life I can respond by how what Jesus says. 
Second thing that I, God wants to encourage you in is this. At this table, there are, are, there's a part of the invitation that I'll kind of lets us say that we need to take some time. And, and the time means that we need to put away the things, some of the things that we've been doing, we don't, can't actually do anymore. And so I think the challenge that comes for some of you right now is, if I'm going to take the time to enjoy this incredible spread that God's put for me, what am I going to put away? And because here, here's our other option. Jesus comes and he offers all this stuff and we go, oh, wow, God, this is so, Jesus, this is so fantastic. I, I've never seen anything like this before. I love this. All this stuff looks so good. That, like, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's presented well. It's great. Um, but can I, I just, I need to go. So I'm gonna, just going to do Jesus to go. I think that's good. But, oh, hey, I have an idea. Um, this is, is going to be good. I really so much appreciate everything that you've done. So maybe I'll just do like a quick, yeah. Oh, well, the table looks good anyways. Oh, yeah. Hashtag breakfast with good shepherd. Oh, no, no, hang on. Brunch with the king. More likes. And yeah, well, oh man, thank you so much. Hey, that's great. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll, I'll catch you next time. This, you're doing, you're doing a great job. And we, and we take this instead, because we're we're too busy for that. We got too much, and sometimes the too much is the good stuff. What is it in this season? That God wants you to stop, to slow down, to change in order to make it happen. I, I, had, I had something about, hmm, which wave was it? Wave three or four. It's all sort of a blur. Where I realized that, that I wasn't actually doing all that well. There's some part of me that, that uh, I was struggling in. And I've usually got a reasonably good barometer internally for when I'm struggling. But with pandemic and everything, my, my meter was not working. And I remember somebody coming to me with a problem that wasn't actually that significant. And my stomach just got in a complete knot. And I just wanted to run away. <laughs> and that's actually not who I am. When I was like 35 years ago, when I just started pastoring, and somebody would come with a problem, I'd kind of feel that way all the time. But over the years, I've, I've really learned to love conflict. I love the fact because I know the good that comes out of it when two people sit down and can talk stuff out and we can learn and grow. And Actually, God's in the middle of conflict, isn't he? If you do it well. But I, I, I wasn't able to do that anymore. And so I went to go see somebody. Is it okay to go for help? Wow, that was a pathetic response. Is it okay to go for help? Yes. Yeah. Is it okay for your pastor to go for help? Thank you. I actually didn't care about your answer on that one because the answer is yes. And I remember sitting down and, and uh, we had a great conversation. And at the end of it, you know, I'm usually on the other end of it because people come to my office and we talk and I have this great privilege of helping sort stuff out. So I said all the stuff that I was struggling with and he, I said, so, train wreck? He goes, no, but hey, here's a thought for you. And he just said one or two simple things and I prayed beforehand and and said, God, if there's something, you know, I don't put my faith in a person, but if there's something that you want to give me through this person, boy, I'd really like to hear it because I, I think I'm in trouble. I need your help. And there was just a, a, a Jesus word 
that came to me and God added to it as I sat at his table. And, and as I just took some time to look into his eyes. And just say, you know what, God, I, I can't rush. I can't do, I can't do Jesus to go. Because I actually miss out so much when I do Jesus to go. You said life. I don't want to do life light. The, the last thing that I want to encourage you in is this. God sets this table before us. And like I said before, it's a table meant for two. It's an amazing table. But what happens sometimes in our life, whether we know it or not, the enemy comes and he pulls up a chair. Now, this chair doesn't belong at this table, but he does it sometimes. And, and he doesn't do it in a way where he, you know, takes the breadstick and he starts beating you with it. He, he does it way, way more subtly than that. He'll come and, and he'll sit down and say, hey, how's, how's it going? How, how's, how's life? And everybody loves to talk about themselves. He said, oh yeah, so that boss of yours, is, uh, is, he, uh, is he still a jerk? Boy, I don't know how you put up with that. Man, if it was me, I would have just... So is she still giving you a hard time? You are a saint to put up with that. You know, there are lots of other people around, but, you know, good for you. Good for you that you're hanging in there with that. That's, you know, she might change. Maybe, I don't know. You know that, uh, that, that guy at that church, eh, who thinks completely differently than you? What's with him, eh? I don't know if he's even, is he even a Christian at all? And, and the enemy will come and will plant seeds in your mind. And I love this picture. Somebody said, you know, you, the enemy prowls around and you can't stop him from prowling. You can't stop him from, like a bird, from landing on your head. But you can stop him from building a nest. And there are ways that we need to take authority over our table. You don't need to have the enemy at your table. You don't need to have those thoughts that you continually have and they start off good and they end up in a place where you realize there are seeds that have been planted throughout your whole life in your thinking where all the enemy is trying to do is steal, kill, and destroy. And you don't need to have them at your table. And you certainly don't need them to build a nest. See, the lies that the enemy brings into your life are are often, when you speak them out, incredibly clear. And and they're they're things that have to do with discouragement. Like, you're not good enough. Or, you know, you have have something to fear. And and I think the whole fear one has, has just, it's been endemic in a pandemic. You had to, I mean, and I'm not saying the media is the devil. No, I'm not saying that. 
But, you know, the media would bring up this one thing and they would say, this, now this is happening, now that's happening, now that's happening. And you begin to think about this. And then you say, well, the, the pandemic is sort of winding down. Well, now there's this conflict in Ukraine. And then after that, there's inflation. And after that, there's gas prices. <sighs> right? And you actually don't need the media to have squirrely things, thoughts come your way. But you get, here, here's what I'm doing about the gas price thing. Take a look at this. I sing myself a little song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Woo! Everybody. No. <laughs> See, you can live your life in a whole sense of worry. And you can let worry have a seat at your table and fear. Or you can listen to the words of the psalmist where he says, And I am with you. And surely goodness and mercy will follow you every day, every day of your life. Wow. Who are you giving a seat at the table? For some of you, I believe that's the place that God wants to work in your heart. Here's how we're going to close today. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'd like you to, in your mind's eye, just, I've, we have an amazing, ladies put together an amazing table. I'd like you to just think about a t- your table that God presents before you in the presence of your enemies. And I want you, if you can, just to picture Jesus. And I want you to look at his face and look at his eyes for just a minute. But around Jesus, around the table are the enemies. And, and your particular enemy is the one that I want you to focus on just for a minute. It might be discouragement or depression or finances or relationship, whatever it is. And and that enemy looks really big to you right now. And that enemy looks fierce. And that enemy doesn't seem to be the least bit concerned about the things going on. They're just focused on destruction. But I'd like you to take your eyes off of the enemy and I'd like you to put your eyes on Jesus. I'd like you to look at his face. For some of you, you're going to see it visually. For others of you, you're going to get a feeling. For others of you, you're going to have to do this at home because it doesn't quite work right now. That's okay. I want you to look into the eyes of Jesus. You lack nothing. He refreshes my soul. He comforts me. And here's the thing. If you really, as you really get into that picture, here's what you're going to see. Is that when the enemy realizes that you are looking into the eyes of Jesus, all his power is gone. He scatters. He's defenseless. Because you were created to be at the table. As you're focusing on the Lord, and it doesn't matter whether you visually see it or not, I'd like you to ask Jesus for something, because he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. I'd like you to ask him right now, what gift would you like to give to me? And even in saying that, some of you think, 
I, I just have the sense that somebody, at least one, probably more, said, I don't deserve a gift. And, and the answer to that is yes, if you had to earn it. But this, that's not what a gift is. A gift is just given. So I want you to receive it this morning. Whatever thought, whatever scripture, whatever picture comes to mind, I want you to just receive that from your good shepherd. I'm going to take just a moment. For someone, you have the oil of tranquility or peace at your work that's going to make you effective and efficient. For someone, there's a, um, an older woman in your life who you have seen as, as evil, but she actually is just hurt. And God's going to give you a perspective change so you can love her. You've actually called her a witch. <laughs> She's not. Somebody got a picture of uh, a forest and you're chopping down trees and you're way up there cutting and uh, God's given you an adventure that he wants to take you on. And your life is meant to be that adventure. You don't have to look to produce it. He's going to make it for your life that. Just remain in that attitude of worship. And those in the room, would you just quietly stand? I'd like you to give an opportunity for you to respond in this, whether you're online or in the room. Here's what it is. We do this every service because this is so foundational. If you would like to take this time to accept Jesus as, as the leader of your life with nobody looking around and it isn't going to be a public thing, uh, online there's a little hand that's going to go up. If that's you, I want you to push that hand. In the room, if that's you, if you say, God, I need to give you leadership in my life, I've I need you to become in so I know that I'm going to heaven. I need to have that relationship. Would you just raise your hand up and I'll acknowledge it. Yep, thank you. I see that hand. Yep, I see your hand back there. Anybody else want to do that? Good. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Okay, we're going to pray. And if you raise your hand, pray it with all your heart. And uh, those of you online, I want you to pray this too. There's... there's um, a lady, I just got gave me a quick picture of a lady in a shawl, kind of in a, almost like a rocking chair, a wooden one, and, and God sees you as you pray this prayer, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the good shepherd. I thank you, Jesus, you died for me. You rose again. You took all my sins. You nailed them to the cross. And now I am free. I thank you that you live forever to be my Lord, interceding for me, and you love watching me grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand? Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.